Last night at Mass, it was, uh, there was a little one, I don't know where he or she was, and um, it was, everything was quiet at the consecration, so just as I said, take, eat, this is my body, da da and lifted the host here. And then at the consecration of the chalice, take this, all of you drink for it, this is the chalice of my blood, I elevate, I hear again. I thought it was back in my charismatic days, you know. <laughs> Who knows? It could have been the Holy Spirit. Who knows? There are sometimes I'm pretty sure it's a demon, but uh, this, this... There is a subtle danger in our gospel reading. It's very easy to think of John the Baptist as this odd, weird, eccentric, maybe even an angry man. His mode of dress, wearing clothing made of camel's hair. I mean, we're talking a really stinky-looking thing. His diet of locusts and wild honey caught a very bizarre caricature. Even though all these things were well within the traditions of prophets before him, most especially the prophet Elijah, with classic political incorrectness, John even called some of those who came to him from the two most prominent Jewish groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you brood of vipers, which surely did not win him any friends among the power brokers of his day. He spoke of an axe that lies at the root of the tree and how those who do not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There isn't that much to really endear us to this prophet. John, however, in the best of the prophetic tradition, did what all prophets before him did. He called the Jewish people back to their spiritual roots, to their unique identity as God's chosen people, who were given the gift of the Torah, the law, which is, if you will, a kind of reflection of the mind of God, how God sees the universe, how God sees us, how God sees life, and that to honor God, one must live this life fully and lovingly. As so often happens, however, religious people, and it doesn't matter what religion they follow, can allow religion to become window dressing, instead of what it's supposed to be, the essential nourishment of the soul that enables it to grow in God's love and expresses that growth by how they live and how they serve others. And while it is true that John the Baptist does not hesitate to boldly and plainly rail against sin, the coming wrath the axe that lies at the root of trees that do not bear fruit and to be thrown into the fire, and the useless chaff burning in unquenchable fire, he also offers two powerful words of encouragement and consolation that are so easily overlooked. He tells us that he who is coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit. St. John Chrysostom points this out in a sermon he gave in the 4th century, around 350 maybe, at his church in Constantinople. 
Baptizing with the Holy Spirit, said St. John Chrysostom, means that Jesus will bring the remission of sin, the removal of punishment, restore righteousness, that is, to be in a right relationship with God, sanctification, redemption, adoption, community. These are the great consolations all summed up in those two words that John the Baptist used, Holy Spirit. But did we ever perceive them? Did we hear them? Probably not. In our gospel text, John the Baptist gives three warnings to his fellow Jews. And because the gospel is the vox Christi, the living voice of Christ in the church, they are warnings for us who claim to be disciples of Jesus. First, he says, do not think that this baptism will alone is going to protect you. John's baptism was a symbolic, merely external washing in which one chose to turn away from sin, return to fidelity to the Torah, the law of God, and produce the fruits of repentance. Baptism in Jesus, however, is the internal work of divine grace that destroys sin, restores us to a right relationship with God, makes us God's adopted sons and daughters. It is not a mere ritual, and I'll tell you we are in grave danger if we ever treat it as such. Second, John the Baptist warned his fellow Jews not to fall for the illusion that simply because they are descendants of Abraham, they're somehow magically protected. And a similar principle applies to Christians. Never think that just because we are baptized, we are magically saved. I used to belong to a church that taught once saved, always saved. And you know, no matter what you did, you were going to go straight to heaven. Well, the Bible never says that. We can call ourselves Christians. We can place crosses around our necks. We can quote Bible verses till the cows come home. We can hang our baptismal certificates on the living room wall. But the real mark of the Christian is his or her struggle to be a faithful disciple. And I really want to stress, underscore, underline, italicize, capitalize that word struggle. We must never allow failure to discourage us because God sees beyond the failure to all the potential that lies within us, especially in those moments when we can't or we don't. Finally, John the Baptist warns his fellow Jews, do not waste any precious time. The coming of the Messiah was about to change the course of human history, and indeed it did. We wait for the second coming of the Messiah, the day and the hour known only to him. And until that time, we are called and graced to bring the fruits of our faith into the world, and there is no excuse for any of us to fail to do so. And when the Lord comes, he will bring human history to an end, raise all the dead, judge all in the presence of all. And then for every human being, time 
shall be replaced by eternity, either in heaven or in hell, according to how one chose to use the graces that one was given. <laughs> 